30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard As a wizard, I'm fond of saying I take silly things seriously and serious things seriously. That's why I was seriously delighted to discover the religion. First referred to their Instagram by a friend, I discovered a series of seemingly random images cut from magazines with typewritten words like goofwork and ceremony pasted over them. I resonated with their approach to deconstructing the elements of religion while avoiding any sort of occult, spiritual, or new age vibes. It felt like fun being had for fun's sake. One day, a post appeared announcing the religion's new Ceremony of the Month Club. If you Venmoed them 20 bucks in your address, you'd begin receiving ceremonies in the mail, strange little care packages with detailed instructions on taking yourself out for a date, including a romantic candlelit dinner while gazing into the mirror, or a ritual to appreciate footbags, also known as socks, by layering 20 of them onto your feet. I appreciated the humor and good intentions, and liked not knowing anything about the religion beyond its vague branding and playful attitude. Then about a month ago, I saw that the religion had announced a weekend-long goofwork retreat at the Cabbage School outside of Asheville, North Carolina. I immediately submitted a reference letter from myself, for myself, arguing for my inclusion in the program. Several weeks later, I was driving up the steep hill the Cabbage School calls a driveway with no idea what the weekend would bring. Upon arrival, I was given a sealed envelope by Borgel, the greeter of the religion, in which I found a name tag bearing my new goof name, Build Up, a welcome letter from Goofwork Inc., a hand-drawn map of the premises, and instructions to walk around in the woods and quote-unquote find my cubicle. Within 30 minutes, the real world and its many rules had faded from view, and I was fully immersed in the religion's surreal, silly, and utterly supportive environment. We gave speeches, performed songs, improvised ceremonies, recreated rituals, and generally lived by a code of encouragement and engagement as we all dedicated ourselves to the hard work of getting our goof on. Operated by Morgan, Keegan, Kelsey, and Borgel, the religion is a spiritual sibling to wizardry and a much-needed antidote to these grumpy times. I spoke with all four on a sunny Sunday morning on the last day of the retreat, and I'm thrilled to share that conversation with you now so we can all learn how to start a religion. All right, everyone. Welcome to Ritual Space. What is our magic word going to be? Screebop! Okay, so one, two, three. Screebop! Why Screebop? Um, Defining the undefinable is going to be a big theme, I think. Yeah. Uh, Screebop, because why not? Why not? Tell me about the religion. 
Um, the religion is a collaborative project that uh, is growing and changing and uh, becoming uh, a lot of different things. To make it less vague, um, <laughs> it, it's a it's it's our religion for in, in stating more goof in our everyday lives. There's four pillars. Maybe each one of us can do one of them. First pillar, materializing ideas. Can you explain what that means before we... <laughs> I built in uh, materializing ideas to the religion uh, because I have a really hard time doing that. So it's kind of like a personal accountability thing. I have all these ideas and I never actually make them into the real world. So trying to trying to press myself to do that more. Ideas are easy. Execution is excruciating. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that part of materializing ideas is um, is with the religion, I feel like there's a big push to take ideas seriously. Mm-hmm. So I feel like materializing ideas and taking ideas seriously is kind of those, those two work together, I think. Interwoven. Um, I think also um, there's a there's a sense of the idea as as immaterial already i mean some sometimes i think there you can feel like a kind of redundancy that term but i think being able to take um like a riff and really take it as far as you can make it the most material get the most people interested in it you know present it as seriously as you can and have people maybe not laugh or riff with you, but nod and listen. It's like that thing where everyone's always like, oh, that's a good band name. But then 99.9999999% of those bands never get formed and never go beyond that like joke among friends. And it takes, I think, a different sort of energy to be like, no, even if we don't play instruments, we're still going to do it. And we're going to have an imaginary concert like in our basement. And we'll make this idea more than just a passing, fleeting thought. Like You'll yeah. give it some sort of substance. That's sort of how breakfast conferences, too, because because Keegan put on breakfast conference the first year. Seven people came, only one of them took it seriously, a half serious, only one half yeah. serious, and uh, it seems like Keegan was pretty unfulfilled because she wanted them to take it seriously. Yeah. So the next year, I sent out uh, a very demanding invitation. Uh, stating that the requirements for breakfast conference are that you have to present on a topic and that you also need to submit a short film about breakfast. And then... the You raised the stakes. We raised the stakes. We put a lot of ideas out there for topics that could be covered. Uh, breakfast in the family, gender and breakfast, uh, Breakfast politics. Um, the breakfast politic. <laughs> breakfast and sexuality. Uh, uh, histories of breakfast, of, of breakfast tools. And um, people really responded to the call. And the second year, uh, yeah, we had like 25 people and people really bring it. That's something that I've noticed this weekend is I think a lot of the prompts, like we've had different activities where we had to write a speech or sing a song, and it didn't come from a blank sheet of paper. It came from a sheet of paper that had even as few as like five words at the top of it. But I think those prompts get somebody out of their own, like what's good, what what, what am I trying to create, and into a space where it's like, ah, I have a task that I'm fulfilling, mm-hmm. and that feels safer mm-hmm. than just the gener- genesis from nothing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I th- I also think that part of our exercise with the prompts is the idea that you will most likely switch your prompt with someone, which I think also takes the pressure off of you performing your own thing and feeling like it's not good enough or something like that. And I think also that's something we talked about before this weekend. I like wrote down again and again, no performance. Because I think uh, it can get to this point where like you're thinking so much about what you want to portray to someone, even when you're trying to be goofy, you have this idea of what's funny and what's like important, not important, like doing movements together. Sometimes I'll like do an action and Keegan or someone will like, react in a certain way that like is unexpected and then I'm like oh yeah like forget about what they think forget about what you think just like do something and that like switching of the speeches too is this total like you think you have an idea of maybe what a speech you would want to write then you get the prompt you write something completely different and then you get a whole different speech that it just like that like quick switch is like really nice to like take the performance and take the edge off of like your own idea of what you're doing and like yeah make it more like natural and I think also there's a there is an element of performance in in all of our lives so I think it's also a a kind of a matter of establishing a distinction there's 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 the conscious performance like you know being on a stage um and having the audience um, explicitly stated and then there's the naturalized performance which is just like having having a conversation with a friend and I think um, it's really about taking uh, um, these moments these ideas and pushing them into a naturalized performance or starting at conscious performance and pushing it into naturalized performance so when you have one of your friends make up lyrics and get up on a stage and start performing them and you and your friends stand below them and 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 perform consciously as an audience there comes a point where by enacting a fandom and your devotion to them that they really become that object um so there's a kind of transcendence there that's really amazing to to see yeah, with the exercise yesterday where we were taking turns giving these performances, I thought that was a really crucial part of it, was that the audience was not was also performing. And they were performing the role of audience very actively, which is something that I think culture has often, contemporary culture loses track of. And people take the role of not audience, but spectator. They're used to the mediation of the screen and not having to be present, which is something that I'm constantly seeking to change and work with in ritual where there is the idea that there is no spectator it's all participants if everyone's sitting with their arms crossed and being a real buzzkill you have changed the dynamic of the room and of the ritual so there is no passivity that passivity is an active subtraction and so i think the game of saying we're all going to actively support each other we're literally going to crowd surf their bodies after they've performed and we're going to you know people were holding lighters and people were doing different things that were reenactments of what you would see in a crowd I think really changed the space in a positive way I was just thinking that this isn't a pillar but it feels like it could be is uh is fake legitimacy Mm -hmm. which is something that we talk about all the time which I feel like is also a very much a part of the performance um the group performances that we did and a part of breakfast conference all these things I feel like we're constantly thinking of like what do we have to do to make this thing seem legitimate? How do we like pass as this without being that? Like, how are we a performer at a lar- large show? 
when there's no we're like in someone's backyard standing on a table or a breakfast conference um everyone has a name tag we put doctor in front of their name so they're automatically professional pretty much um <laughs> and we have our little blazers on maybe um just like what what can we do to make it fake legitimate and then and then feel like it is real sort of yeah and i think that gets back to the audience that it's it's an agreement you like you have one person that is doing something but it takes an exterior um presence to deem it legitimate or not it's it's not something that can come from an individual yeah and i think um part of the like want desire to to appear legitimate but in a playful way is uh the religion has like a large focus on doing things without needing like any traditional form of value like money or grades or like anything like that and i think um like the idea of seeming like you're legitimate in this position even though you don't have like the validation Mm -hmm. that like other people might need to be a doctor or something like that it's it's kind of just trying to pass things as legitimate without having the traditional rewards or certifications i think well i forget what they call it but i think it's like the the white coat effect or something but like when doctors dress like doctors the patients perceive them very differently. So a doctor could do the same function. It's not like they need that white lab coat and the stethoscope around their neck. But when they dress like a doctor, the patients feel like they got better coverage than if a guy came in wearing a sweater and some corduroys and was like, huh, how are you doing today? What's going on? Why is my dentist wearing basketball shoes? <laughs> <laughs> so what's the second pillar? Goof work. Taking jokes really seriously, which we kind of already talked about and try to do as much as possible. Can you give a little bit of an explanation of the principle of goof more generally? Um, it's both taking uh, people really seriously and not pe- taking people seriously at all and trying not to take yourself seriously. And I think that we really uh, like to elevate nonsense as much as possible. I think that uh, some of the best things that happen are out of a spirit of out of a spirit of nonsense. So trying to prioritize nonsense and and going with it being a go-along guy i think sometimes goof is just really it's just humor sometimes goof is just really funny you know um uh but i i think it it stands a little bit away from just just haha funny and in more specifically into the realm of absurdity you know i i think a lot about context and goof, I think, is just a kind of interruption in a context. So I think even something that's not traditionally goofy, something that we, we wouldn't you know, expect, like, you know, you're, you're, you're writing your dissertation, your, 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 uh, your PhD thesis. Um, I think to do that, to bring that and to, to be working on that during uh, a performance of Annie on Broadway, it's, it's just extremely goofy. Mm-hmm. How did goof become important to you all? I I feel like it always has been for me. I guess when I think about growing up, you're like, you're with all your family and they're t- chatting and then you say something ridiculous and they're like, oh, you're so goofy. I feel like it it always has been important to me and it's like a good way to like lighten your load uh, on yourself. And 
and like an a way to like see other options of existing and, and it shakes the like idea that you need to be taking everything seriously just like a good reminder i think um i think for me a lot of it started as a way of like i think coming out of like an art uh program at the same school and like doing these things like we've said that were for grades and coming out of art school um or i guess an art program at a school (laughs) uh (laughs) i think like uh me keegan morgan like going away from that place and like really still wanting to connect and really feeling this need um like we had this way of interacting at this school at warren wilson college that we went to um that was like really hard like graduating and not feeling like i had that anywhere else and kind of like uh that's kind of how the subscription service got started is this like want to like have this continuation of goof with each other and so like i sent morgan keegan a something in the mail like a ceremony in the mail when they moved to philadelphia and that's kind of like where we got started and we were like there's all these like subscription services that like show up at your door and have all these like kits like food kits and like maybe um it's possible for us to like give each other these things um so it kind of started out personal and then we like realized it's like a really cool way to connect with people and like offering that to a larger community felt like really sweet um so I think I don't know I guess that maybe went into something else but I think it's just been an um, important way to like connect with the people I love really far away and like yeah have a greater network like spider web of goof going on that you know it's like elsewhere and also with you the underground goof network (laughs) the goof railroad (laughs) Um, I'd love to hear your goof thoughts, and then we can move on to the next um, next pillar, which I think we're starting to push up against because everything's connected in the web. Yeah, I, yeah. I just wanted to kind of jump off a little bit of what um, Kelsey was saying, um, as far as coming from academia to a certain extent. I mean, how academic is art school? Um, but but I think there's a great you know, question. There is a <laughs> you could do a whole PhD <laughs> on how academic is art school. <laughs> and write write it during um, performances of Annie on Broadway. Exactly. Um, I think um, something that we have been talking a lot about, and I think specifically Morgan has been really good about trying to maintain in the group, is um, is goof as a way to avoid the kind of traps of of um, sort of academic language um, in. Um, approaching this project in in all of its aspects, I think it's really easy, especially you know, for planning this class that we're now in the midst of, goof work. Um, it's really easy to get to a point where you're just sitting around a table, no one's smiling. You're kind of frustrated. You're you're talking. I mean, to develop a class around what can feel like such an ambiguous topic um, can often get really lofty and esoteric the way that um i have experienced a lot um the neo-goof structuralists hate <laughs> the post-structuralist neo-goofs we will never ever agree <laughs> yeah it's pretty much like that like that but with with even less emotion yeah you know we're just kind of boiling and bawling our fists so i think or even cry there's been some tears and i think um i think i think um 
Morgan has been really good about um, asserting a a different format or a different approach to that where I can really feel trapped and feel like, well, this is the only way. We just got to just like push our way through this this muck and just talk it out as serious and as uncomfortable as it gets. But I think one of the most helpful um, um, formats that Morgan introduced for planning this class was for us all to just lay in bunk beds Morgan would stand with a piece of paper that she drew a crooked spine on and she said she said we got to correct this this crooked spine with like you know chiropractic language we got to scream our ideas and then we had wooden dice and we'd have to throw them off the bunk bed and if we got a a, a 3 or less we had to roll again our idea was not uh sufficiently developed enough to share and i think i i think that's 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 really really important it's almost like randomness and humor used as a um solvent to uh combat the plaque that builds up of seriousness and language and edifice and all these other things that you can read um the kind of reading that you're assigned in college where it's say taking something that's very simple at its core but then there's so much complexity layered on top because i think that plaque just sort of builds and then it sounds like yeah using using goof as a way to to brush yourself clean Mm. Mm. That's a refreshing. Very well said. <laughs> Keegan, do you want to share some goof thought? Um, no, but I, <laughs> our next pillar uh, that Kelsey was getting at was ceremony, um, which is something that uh, we kind of picked up and learned from uh, one of our weaving instructors, Jessica Green. Um, and she led us in a series of slow walking uh, exercises and uh, just like having this experience of like coming back and doing something really simple um, and like bringing your full attention to like this like nonsense, no reason uh, action of, of going as slow as possible um, felt like a really important reminder uh, to me to like be to like live in this this way (laughs) that is really easy to um forget exists so ceremony is about bringing your attention to anything um i think i feel like goof work or goof mentality is a large component of ceremony often because i think goof mentality Goof mentality. Goof mentality. Gotcha. Um, because I it's feel like, like a Mortal Kombat thing, like goofality. Yeah. It's, yeah. Sometimes yeah. we say that when we're trying to. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. <laughs> each other. <laughs> um, yes. I I think that like part of goof is being able to see other options for interacting, um, which is I think a large part of ceremony and often we kind of use them in similar ways, I think. Like, I remember Keegan and I moved to Philly and we had, like, you know, all the feelings that come with being in a new place and not feeling settled. And and we try really hard to remind each other to, like, be goofy and, and like, see what's an option for your, for, for your days. But one night we were, like, kind of feeling a little bogged up. Um in our house <laughs> and and then we went on a walk and we were like okay we're gonna we're gonna do a 
you know, a twist on the on the neighborhood walk. And we decided to follow all the forks that we saw, which in West Philly, there's actually, there's a lot of forks on the ground. Um, so we followed the the forks for a while through our neighborhood. The prongs, whatever way the prongs were facing, then we followed them that way. And then we kind of ended it on this log where we, I don't remember what we were saying to each other. It was a, it was a goofy walk, but I think it helped like f- make us feel more integrated into our neighborhood and to get out of our house and get out of feeling stuck. So I feel like they work together all the time, ceremony and goof. Yeah. What is a favorite ceremony from each of you? Um, I think uh, the most recent one uh, was called the Heartbreak Parade. Um, I live in Omaha, and so uh, Morgan and Keegan and Borgel came down to Omaha, and I had recently been uh, split up from a partner. And so I had this whole I- I kind of had this uh, initial idea to throw a parade. Like someone, I was just like talking to someone being like, I can't just go around parading my grief or something. And they're like, well, why can't you? And I was just like, you're right. Like, why can't I? So I was like, heartbreak parade. Like, that's just where it started. I was like, heartbreak parade. What does that even mean? Like, what's a heartbreak parade? And then, like, uh, when Morgan Keegan and Borgel came down, we kind of, like, I was like, I just want to do this. I want some kind of processional. Um, That was, like, where we went. And so we, like, it was snowy. It was super snowy. We, like, all bundled up and, like, started the processional. I don't think any of us knew where we were going. We were just, like, going to go. And we walked up to this uh, church and there was just these series of things that happened a lot of like rocky style running up this cathedral stairs giving another speech about the night um we built snowmen and then were asked to present them as our perfect ideal partners solo partner dancing, solo partner dancing. we had a pillar smooch um and we also took tequila shots of tears to symbolize our tears (laughs) and then I ended up ending it with a like I think almost a two-hour presentation on my six-year relationship from start (laughs) to finish (laughs) which was like actually pretty insane and like a lot of realizations come out and I have the it was like with uh, charcoal on paper and I have them all over my room right now um and it's super that one was like just like really important and really specific and like kind of came out of this like initial thought that then just like transformed with all of us and I think it was like a perfect explanation of what ceremony can be and is. That's so fascinating because coming from the world of magic where you do silly things often directed towards like a future goal like you're trying to manifest something it's really interesting the process of going through this whole activity as a way of decomposing something that you've already been through and just playing around with those ideas and just having the experience itself not necessarily trying to manifest like and this is for me to find my new partner and like you know hey universe i'm single like send them my way um i think uh ceremony that i'm really drawn to that is totally part of our practice because you know it it is a part of our lives but not as much part of like a public shared practice um are the ceremonies that um stand in for traditions that we already have uh, as part of our culture i think that is like like traditions that we're already culturally uh familiar with holidays um 
birthdays, even sort of routines that we've established, you know, waking up in the morning and, and having breakfast cereal. Um, I, I think that's like such an interesting space and in where we as a culture kind of naturally, we, we, we just accept, we accept those things. And it also becomes a time for people to perform, even if it is just the birthday song. But one of my, one of my favorite ceremonies or kind of ongoing favorite is the ways that as a, as a group, we kind of reinvent the birthday. Um, and I think this is, you know, kind of talking about materializing ideas and, and, and thinking about your, um, sort of, um, comparison to like just riffing on band names, Mm -hmm. you know, having a laugh and then, you know, never seeing that materialize. I think it's really, I kind of have to watch, I kind of have to watch my back when I make a joke because I just don't know sometimes where it's, where it's going to go. Um, when we were in the process of moving from Philly to Minneapolis, um, I stayed for a, a few more weeks, so I was the last to move out. I, I happened to fly to Minneapolis on my birthday, middle of the summer, and a couple weeks prior to boarding the plane, um, I got a text from Keegan, which was like, hey, have you thought about your birthday at all? Have you thought about a theme for your birthday? And uh, just, you know, I was tired. Quick joke, I was like, um, athletes, how about athletes foot? You know, just a joke. Uh-oh. And then two, I, I totally forget about it. Two weeks later, I arrive in Minneapolis. They pick me up from the airport. It's my first time at my new house. They jump out of the car after it's parked and they run into the house and they lock the door. And I'm just stranded on the stoop with all my bags. And there's a letter, uh, um, for me on the stoop from my local gym informing me that they've traced the the recent athlete's foot outbreak back to my locker and I'm that I'm not permitted to return to the gym until you know I go through this cleansing process with uh, athlete's foot representatives um, these sort of healers that they've sent uh, to my house so I, then I had to call a phone number to get the door unlocked and then the, my my entire birthday was spent um, sort of as a tour around my new city, um, and ultimately to a like a you know one foot deep kiddie pool where <laughs> where I had to <laughs> sort of cleanse myself of of athlete's foot. Um, so I th- I, j- I think that <laughs> it, that's just like su- such a such a more memorable. Um, a birthday experience it kind of has like all of the elements of birthday that you sort of egotistically want it has all the attention there um but in a completely twisted and absurd way that i really appreciate i recently watched a star trek the next generation episode where they accidentally warped to like the end of time and space where thought and matter combined and so everyone's ideas were sort of manifesting on the ship and you had to be really careful and like keep your thoughts focused and that sounds like what you've created as a community of like not like in a negative way but like you have to be a little bit mindful of what you say because someone's going to take that idea and run with it and uh, grow it into something and then it will suddenly you're locked outside of your pl- apartment and <laughs> have to go dunk your feet in the kiddie pool yeah 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 be careful what you wish for yeah um, monkey pod gang yeah uh so we we do ceremonies like 
as a group, but uh, we also have a monthly mailed ceremony subscription service. I know. I'm a member. Yeah. And we send out these written um, instructions for ceremonies and our friends get them and strangers get them. And um, one of uh, uh, some feedback that I had from a friend once was uh, coming clean and saying, I, I don't actually do the ceremonies key. Like, can you make one for me to do at my desk at work? And um, so I was like, sure. Yeah, maybe that'll get people to actually do the ceremonies so we made a ceremony called undercover worse than normal employee and um that was one of my favorite written ones that came out uh we had people try to do a convincing fake work um which we all know how to do which we all know how to do so well so easy in this day with computers <laughs> like you used to have to put your fishing magazine in like a binder and be like oh looking at the paperwork and now everyone's just and now you can just look at your fishing magazine doing. yeah online. Yeah, and teens, teens like comment in Google Docs because that's like in class. Have you heard about this? No, no. Uh, someone was telling me that their their coworker was like, "So my daughter is cyberbullying someone through Google Docs," oh and we're gosh. like, "What?" Yeah. But apparently that's the thing because adults are aware <laughs> that kids have all of these instantaneous forms of communication. They've narrowed access to a lot of them, so like schools ban Facebook and other like yeah. messaging things. But Google Docs have a comment program that most adults don't use, where you can do not the normal comments like edits but there's like a real-time chat thing that you can do and apparently that's like all the rage of like kids will share a google doc so it looks like you're doing work and then you're having it's like high-tech note passing wow yeah maybe we can play with that in a ceremony later yeah. we should get a google doc adults can go on google doc the religion junior <laughs> <laughs> and then we had uh the ceremony participants hype themselves up to ask for a raise at, at their work. We were like, "You deserve it. You've been working harder than everyone else." Like, really trying to trying to boost their egos, and then you've been faking harder than everyone else. You're so convincing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we included uh, a little a little slip of paper that said, "Can I have a raise?" And then we asked the ceremony participants to try to hide that around the office somewhere where no one will ever find it. <laughs> and there was also, uh, for, for those of, uh, of the participants that decided to actually resign, we created um, a, a classified section of jobs for them to apply to, and we got some we got some resumes in the mail. The, the most popular uh, job we included in the classifieds was the uh, decustarder. Um, a sort of a donut shop um, who only made Boston creams. And for those who just wanted like a plain or just a chocolate frosted, um, we needed someone to remove the custard from the donuts. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we got a lot of applicants, which is great. That sounds like a pretty good job. Um, well, you know, after all that, after all of what they just said, uh, <laughs> there's definitely like a wide variety of ceremonies and they can get pretty crazy pretty wild i've been locked out of the house many times and had to to complete many challenges in order to get let back in when i was just going for a walk down the street and i came back to find that agent i had lockout. been renamed agent lockout <laughs> um that's always fun but i feel like the first one that came to my mind was was our classic nail clipping ceremony which 
to to me was one of the first that I participated in when getting involved with this all the religion um and it's very simple you just you know everyone always cuts their own nails it's like your baby your mom cuts your nails your dad and then no one cuts your nails anymore why why we don't know so it's it's like a nice uh it's a nice little partner project and it feels very like intimate and um makes you rethink how to get your nails cut but usually one person lays down flat on their stomach on the ground arms above their head and then the other person sits there and clips their nails while they're just laying face down one time keegan and i did it at like a roadside uh rest stop truck stop down in like a drainage ditch (laughs) and we recorded it and it was very fun but it um I, i don't know it feels really special Someone yesterday was saying that their friends had a baby and the doctor advised them to chew the baby's nails rather than cut them. So maybe that could be an upgraded version of the ceremony. Definitely upgrade. (laughs) Yeah. Find a baby. Find a baby. No, you. you. We're going to do it to you. (laughs) Tell me about the fourth pillar. The fourth pillar. There's a couple things that fit in here, but we like to say jokes and swearing. It's kind of a two-parter. Sometimes the swearing falls back a little bit. Swearing's the one that I was curious about. Fuck! We we've been we've been saying little bitch recently to each other. Ooh. But that's our new that's our new uh, swear of the month. It. Yeah, it doesn't come naturally sometimes. Used to be botch, now more defined evolved bitch. <laughs> evolved back to bitch. Little bitch specifically. What is the I- idea behind swearing as a as an act? I think it's a. Re- I mean, I think anyone can attest to the release of a swear word. I think it just like the forbidden fruit of a swear word. Um, yeah, like the untouchable, the like manners, the like looseness, the let go, the yeah, let the down. wildness, the boldness. The braveness, the recklessness, those are all things we value. Um, I was raised by a mom who loves swearing, and she's she's one of the goofiest people who I know, and I feel like it really, it for people, when I see my mom interact with people who don't swear, they're often, sh- like, a little bit shocked, and I think that it, it's good to, sh- it's good to shock sometimes, and, and loosen up a little Shocker. bit. And remember that it's also another thing that was just invented. And someone told us it was bad. But we don't have to believe that. Yeah, I think it's important to play with profanity um, as much as possible. And I also think that the swearing pillar is important when we're talking about the religion. You know, goof work, swearing, materializing ideas, and ceremony. Um, yeah, I think it, it's a good way to disarm people from the, like, normal... They're like, oh, this isn't, like... This is a religion people are taking it really seriously but like this is also like a crass like fun joke that like with people who are like relatable and and like I don't know trying something freaky and new I also as far as swearing goes I also like the I mean there there's an idea that that swearing is kind of shocking but I think for 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 most for most people it's just also a kind of a natural part of life. Yeah, we've um, seen Tarantino movies before. <laughs> oh, oh I, I've gone to public school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um 
I think another part of it that's funny is kind of finding people who are really hesitant to swear. Uh, um, one of our our roommates um, and my cousin um, <laughs> is uh, said that she feels like it's kind of beyond her identity, and she said, "I just feel I feel too puffed up." <laughs> to swear, which I think is funny. I, I um kind of noticing sometimes when it feels uncharacteristic for someone to swear, or I think uh we've all been in a in a place or a time when we've kind of forced ourselves to swear for whatever reason, whether it's to kind of like boost our identity or um to kind of like naturalize into the into the scene. Um so I kind of as as a as an inverse of of swearing because it's shocking and profane um swearing because it's it's normal and natural and 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 sort of how we've built our human culture. I remember in elementary school it must have been like first or second grade there was the soccer game that started at recess that was kind of like away from everything and it was a soccer game that was largely just an excuse to swear and that was just like swearing headquarters and just like screams of like fucking you asshole just like going back and forth and like every like all these young kids kind of like it was this very almost sacred yet profane thing to go be in this space that was far enough away from the rest of recess that it was just like a no holds barred swearing contest. Wow. We haven't done that yet. We should try that. Sports is a swearing vehicle. Yeah. Sports is a vehicle for swearing. I also feel like I Or swearing as a sport. Yeah. Yeah, we should we should maybe do that today. Yeah. I also feel like I am someone who is perceived to be like smaller and sweet and no one ever expects me to swear and everyone comments on it when I do it which is nice which is really nice I'm glad you got a dirty mouth I'm glad they noticed (laughs) shall we get to my favorite part that I've been looking forward to for so long since I first started getting ceremonies in the mail and knew that I would eventually have you on this podcast let's talk about a spell a spell that the listeners at home can do to bring the power of goof and these other ideas into their own lives um we could we could riff on our idea about trying to make a uh Lindley, you had the idea of trying to make a a party uh a, a a small group of people maybe just you try to feel like a big party so the challenge of of uh what can you do to like get that level of hype and momentum uh to to make a a big party out of one or two or not very many people and no planning we had some ideas yeah i think this is good i think i want to i want to present uh one of our one of our spells one of our more practical spells because how often do you find yourself sort of in need of that party release and uh you look around it's you and two friends you're alone maybe even maybe you're even alone no one wants to go out with you um so tired. I think I think uh there's four steps to the spell, of course. And I think we could each share one step. Get some hype on ya. <laughs> <laughs> get some hype on ya. Hype. hype. You wanna get taller or bigger? <laughs> yes. Either one. Go big, don't go home. Or stay at home. If that's where the party is. Um, 
I think a uh, second step is, um, and this is part of just establishing some hype, put some flyers up. Make some flyers, copy them by hand or with a, a photocopier or any other technology you have available, and just, just start putting them up. You know, maybe put one in the kitchen. Leave the kitchen. Go back. Oh, what's this? Oh, am I invited? There's a party. Oh, my God. Take a little fringe off the bottom with uh, your the, the address, the, the locale of the party, and and just get excited to go. Um, one thing that I've noticed at parties often uh, are containers or empty containers or beverage containers or full containers. So I think that now would be a good time, uh, if you are at home, to get go to your recycling, see what kind of cans or containers or, or jars that you have and just spread them around the room in kind of a careless uh, order. Maybe fill them with water or or you know just keep up appearances and you need to make sure some are kind of full so that you can be disappointed later when someone didn't finish oh, a yeah. drink what yeah. are those called fallen soldiers, fallen soldiers. <laughs> 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 um and then okay so it seems like your parties must have set up a, this is gonna be a couple steps in one i hope it's okay you're gonna want to put your music on maybe you can make some type of uh like strobe light out of whatever you have at home uh water tin foil and then easy strobe light just uh just google strobe light and you can find a youtube video and then just play that on your monitor and full oh, screen yeah. amazing amazing I've, I've done that in my ritual to become a wizard <laughs> <laughs> so you've got your strobe on you've got your uh music on pick something with a lot of energy of course and then what's most important when you go to the party your grand freaking entrance <laughs> we need you to leave that room and then come back in and make sure you create a lot of wind when you come in so everyone knows you're there. And, and this isn't uh, necessarily a step because there are only four steps, but a tip. <laughs> a lot of the best parties that anyone will ever go to are the most crowded. People love to be just smushed up against the wall. So find a space that's appropriately sized, maybe a closet. Um, or if it's just you a put cabinet. on all of your tightest clothes mm -hmm. yeah yeah and another tip is if you want to if you want a lot of people to like you at the party then you should really come up with a new dance move and give it a name try try um rubber band legs or rigorous underscore dramaturgy the hungry caterpillar Everybody loves doing the funky wizard. <laughs> Thank you, the religion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> For more on the religion, visit onetrueonlytruth.com and to tune into the ongoing ceremony and magic that is This Podcast is a Ritual, you can visit patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual where I will soon be posting a very special diary of Wizard Quest 2019, detailing my journeys down along the eastern seaboard, meeting other wizards, arriving at the Cabbage School for the Goofwork Retreat, and then questing up along the coast back to New York City. So there's a lot of fun extra bonus conversations, content ideas, songs, poems, appearing on patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual.
May you all go forth and spread the good word of goof.